2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hard Count Football Podcast Live. My name is Jacob Charno, and I am thrilled to be leading the next generation of football fans live on YouTube and Twitch with Chris Landry Football. I am excited to announce that later in the show, I will be joined with the New York Jets B reporter for the New York Post, Brian Costello. We have a really good show today, so let's get right into it. Let's start off right away with this. Antonio Brown. I know Antonio Brown all over everywhere lately. It really feels like he has been in the news for quite some time. But we already know that Antonio Brown is suspended for at least the first eight games of the season, if not more. Now Antonio Brown is a free agent, so as of right now, this means absolutely nothing. However, there are a lot of teams that are running thin at wide receiver, and some rumors have been circulating that a team might want Antonio Brown back. In, back I mean, on their team, you know. I am going to go through the teams that I think are most likely to either sign Antonio Brown or teams that probably should sign Antonio Brown and whether they should actually take a chance on signing him because that's exactly what's going to be happening. if they do, because they're going to be taking a chance. He has had a ton of problems surrounding him, you know, for the last, however long now, uh, first, I mean, the frostbite on his feet, then getting released by the Raiders and all that drama then signing with the Patriots and scoring a touchdown in one game, and then having some sexual misconduct allegations against him, which ultimately led to his release from New England. Then recently, he said he was retiring. Then people got mad at him for actually saying he was retiring. And then he said he wasn't retiring. And then he said he wants back in the league. So we don't know what's going to happen with him. We don't know how likely it actually is, but it's fun to speculate. So let's go through some of these teams. Starting off, the Seattle Seahawks. So the Seahawks have been the main team that we have heard – about maybe signing a B it was reported that there were internal discussions in Seattle about them possibly signing him and we saw Russell Wilson actually working out with him along with a B we had heard some rumors about the Seahawks possibly wanting Josh Gordon back on the team after he filed for reinstatement so they clearly want a receiver I mean having a guy like Antonio Brown if he could come back both physically and mentally in the same state or at full force like he was couple of years ago I mean he was one of the best receivers in the league if not the best receiver in the league at one point obviously we don't know with I mean mental illness he's we don't know how much he is actually mentally there I'm sure he can get back physically I, I know Russell Wilson would definitely love to have him since before all this craziness happened you know AB, like I said, was one of the best receivers in the league, and Russell Wilson has not had a lot of help at receiver for quite some time. You know, I'm not saying he can come back like he was before, but imagine how much more dangerous this offense would be if he did. If he is going to come back somewhere, Seattle seems like probably the best option. The Seahawks have made some big moves in free agency, like one that we will talk about later, so why not go ahead and make another move that could definitely elevate this offense even more. Now, another team, I said the Green Bay Packers. You know, the Packers are not a team that usually makes a lot of big moves like this, but they should absolutely be thinking about it. I mean, last year, Devontae Adams was targeted 127 times, which was the highest on the team, and the next highest was 63, and Devontae only played 12 games. So that says a, a lot about this team last year, especially after Devin Funches opted out. They are in need of another good receiver in Green Bay. I'm sure A.B. would love to go to the Packers because, I mean, they have a great quarterback. They have one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, it, it, I'm he's obviously probably pretty pissed off about the Packers trading up to draft a quarterback in the first round. I'm positive that he's definitely not thrilled with this organization. And, I mean, the, why would the Packers not want to keep him happy for pretty much however long left he has in Green Bay? So, if they plan on keeping him happy... Why not surround him with the best weapons possible and maybe try and get him another Super Bowl before maybe he has to leave Green Bay? You know, If they can get him another guy to throw to with the caliber of Antonio Brown, it's not only going to make AB shine, but it can make Devontae Adams shine even more by pulling off a lot of double teams off of him, and it'll make him an even bigger threat than he was before. If they think they can handle him, it's all about mentally because, I mean, we've seen some of the stuff he was doing before he left the league, but if they think they can handle him mentally, and Matt Thorpe can do that, the Packers might be a really good place for Antonio Brown to go. Finally, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. So Lamar Jackson has said that he really wants to play with AB. The Ravens already have a pretty stacked offense that I can tell you now will dominate most, if not all, of their game. It'll dominate most of the league again this year, Again, because we saw last year in the regular season, they went 14-2. Lamar Jackson, absolutely, they just destroyed every single team for the most part that they played against. Another possible driving force for the Ravens is that Antonio Brown's cousin, Marquise Hollywood Brown, is already a receiver on the team. I think John Arba would be able to handle AB and keep him in check, but adding Antonio Brown to this offense could be quite scary if he comes back in full form. Will we see a Brown family reunion in Baltimore? We can only wait and see. Like I said, we don't actually know when or if Antonio Brown will be able to play this season, so hypothetically, if he can come back after this first eight-game suspension, then the only teams that would probably look at him are teams that are looking to make a deep run in the playoffs that might just be missing that one small piece of receiver. That's why I only talked about these three teams, because they are the most receiver-needy teams, and chances are the Ravens, Packers, and Seahawks are all in the Super Bowl bubble this year. This is the Hard Count Football Podcast. My name is Jacob lead leading the next generation of football fans live on YouTube and Twitch with Chris Landry Football. Please help spread the word as you can catch this show on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the show on chrislandryfootball.com where all this information is there for you. Now, I'm excited to bring on the, my first ever guest on the Hard Count Football Podcast, all the way back in May when we first started this thing. Please welcome the New York Jets beat reporter for the New York Post, Brian Costello. Brian, how are you? How are you doing? Good hey, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, Brian, you cover the Jets, and needless to say, they have been in headlines a nice amount recently. Let's start with the obvious one. Jets send Jamal Adams to the Seahawks for two first-rounders, third-rounder, and a starting safety in Bradley McDougald. I think that the Jets absolutely needed to trade him and got great value for a safety, even for the talent that Jamal actually brought to this defense. Joe Douglas has a vision of building the, I mean, building a team around their young quarterback and Sam Darnold, and this will continue to definitely, this will definitely continue to help with that. He's built a ton of draft capital, made some good moves in free agency, signed some free agents to some good deals, and he's just trying to really undo what Mike Mcagnan did for the last however many years before i mean this that that set this team back however many years starting with the trade what are your thoughts on the trade as a whole and the value that the jets got for jamal
1: yeah i think with the trade jacob i look at it kind of two ways uh you know if you told me a year ago that they were going to trade jamal adams i would have thought you were nuts because jamal is the best player on the team he's a very good football player people shouldn't discount him and say oh he's just a box safety he did a lot for this team if you watch the jets every week you know, he does a lot more than just play box safety, uh, the pass rush, the way he could rush the passer, the way he tackled against the run, he's covered tight ends. So Jamal is a great football player and they gave up a great football player in this deal. Now, that being said, a lot's happened in the last year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, starting at the trade deadline with that whole episode and then the way Jamal's kind of handled himself this off season. Uh, I don't think he left the Jets with the choice, but they, they had to trade him, and, uh, Joe Douglas got a great deal in return. He getting two first round picks is huge. I never thought he would be able to get two first round picks. If we had done this podcast a month ago and you'd asked me if I thought Jamal was going to get traded, I would have said, I think the Jets probably would like to trade him, but I don't think they're going to get an offer that they'll like. So that they got that out of Seattle is amazing. And that Seattle stuck with that offer even through, you know, because the deal was agreed to before Jamal went, went crazy in the media. So, uh, you know that they, they got they still got two first round picks i think was amazing um you know and it gives them uh it's the, the four first round picks in the next two years could be uh, change the organization now he's got to get those picks right that's <laughs> that that's the tricky right. part of this is you can't just um you know draft picks are great but cleveland had a bunch of draft picks this decade and didn't get them right a lot of the time so he's got to get the draft picks right but i thought all in all he um he did a great job in getting Uh, what he did. And I thought McDougal was a good player to get back. You know, he plugs right in and can start. He's not Jamal Adams, but he's a starting safety in this league. And I think, um, you know, I think he'll do well for them.
2: Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. I think that for a player that they probably definitely needed to trade Jamal, there was no way. I mean, it's hard for, he said he was going to show up to training camp, but that would have been rough. I mean, especially with everything he was saying about coaches and all that in the front office, it would have just been a very toxic environment for, Jamal to show up to, especially when they're trying to put a team together, and yeah, so
1: they're, they're advertising culture, you know, and, and yeah. I don't think lip service. Uh, I think if you look at the moves they made this off season, they didn't go out spend huge money on big names. Uh, I think they were kind of more, more blue chip. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not blue chip, but uh, more like you know, blue collar guys to bring in, and so, sort of the expression you hear on the Jets a lot is the middle class. They felt like when Joe Douglas got here last year, and Adam Gates too, for that matter, um, felt the Jets didn't have a great middle class. They had some good football players at the top, and then it dropped way down. And there wasn't this – so. I think Douglas this offseason is trying to build up the middle class and have a lot of cap space next year, have these draft picks, and then you can kind of build the team from there.
2: Yeah. So the deadline for players to opt out was last Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and the main player on the Jets – that opted out was linebacker CJ Mosley who showed how good he was in the three healthy quarters that he played in week one against Buffalo. Obviously we can't blame any of these players for opting out family and all that, but now taking a look at this defense, they don't have CJ Mosley. They don't have Jamal Adams, but they did add some more talent. They signed Pierre Desir. They drafted safety Ashton Davis out of Cal. who will probably now play a much bigger role than we expected him to when they drafted him and, and they're getting Avery Williamson back. Who is a guy that, I mean, he hasn't played in a while, but when he was healthy, he showed just how much of an impact he can have on the field. With the pieces they have, I mean, with the pieces they have, if they're going to make anybody work, I think Greg Williams will be able to do it. But how much of a step down do you think this offense will take if a step down will happen at
1: all? Yeah, um, I think it's going to be tough. You know, I think, the, I think the defense will take a step back from last year. Uh, I think Greg Williams has his work cut out for him. And I think the biggest thing is if you look at the schedule, Um, you know, Greg Williams did a great job last year. I don't mean to take anything away from him, but they, they faced a lot of, uh, weak quarterbacks last year. You know, remember they, they played Daniel Jones. They played Dwayne Haskins. They played Gardner Minshew, uh, who did well against them. Um, they got Doug Hodges when when they played the Steelers, you know, they, they ended up in the last game against Buffalo and seeing Josh Allen for only a little while. Um, so it kind of broke well for them last year. If you look at the schedule this year, and I'm looking at it over my computer right now, you know Jimmy Garoppolo coming in Week Two, Philip Rivers, who knows what he'll be, uh, Kyler Murray coming up, um, you know Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton possibly, Russell Wilson. Uh, you know they've got some they've got some good quarterbacks on the schedule this year. So I, I think Greg Williams has his work cut out for him.
2: Oh yeah, I mean uh, last year. I don't. I wouldn't say that necessarily. It was like a fluke that they played well, but they were missing a whole lot of pieces, and they got. I mean, they lost to Andy Dalton, who yeah. we don't. We don't. I mean, he wasn't doing anything before they took him out to put in Ryan Finley. Right. I, I mean, I'm sure. I can't say that the Jets would have beat the Bengals if Ryan Finley had played, but because I mean, that offensive line that game was just atrocious. Was
1: lead, but they would had a better chance. But yeah, I mean. He did a great job, and they were, they, I think, by the football outsider's measure, they were the most injured defense in the league. You know, he was playing, you know, their, their fifth and sixth linebackers at, at one point and cornerbacks. But I just don't – looking at the group on paper this year, losing Jamal Adams and no Mosley, which they went without Mosley mostly last year, uh, that, that that's a big – Jamal Adams is a big loss for the defense. I think McDougal can do okay, but, um, you know, he's not going to be Jamal Adams, the dynamic player that he was, yeah. so – the big question to me on defense is what Quinn Williams can be. If he can somehow, um, you know, make a leap and look like the guy that you saw at Alabama that that everyone was so excited about, then maybe this defense is different. But if you know, if he's just kind of what he was last year, which he did okay last year, he just didn't have the impact you expect from a number three draft pick. Um, I think the defense is going to have some tough days.
2: Oh, he for sure needs to. Uh, he for sure needs to step up or else, I mean, Jets fans are going to keep saying we should have drafted Josh Allen at that number three pick, yeah. but, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, whatever. Now let's take a look at this offense because Joe Douglas's priority this offseason was to rebuild that offensive line. That was just absolutely awful last year. I mean, there were no starters at the end of the season that were starting from week one. Cause they just, they pulled all of them, but they added Makai Becton, Greg Van Rowan, Connor McGovern, George Fan, and they have our attorney Alex Lewis, who seemed like kind of the low and bright spot on that offensive line last year. They basically just said goodbye. They just like threw him away. They don't even want to make them a memory from last year, including a longtime Jet. I mean, Brian Winters got cut. That saved oh. them around $7 million in cap space. Uh, obviously, they probably could have cut him earlier, but business is business. They needed to save some, some cap money. Everyone keeps saying, you know, wait for Sam Darnold to take that next step up. I think that there, if, I think that if there's any year that he needs to take that step up, it, it's got to be this year. I mean, a, a hopefully completely rebuilt offensive line that is at least somewhat competent, uh, a second year in Adam Gaze's offense, and some new or returning weapons like Le'Veon Bell, who will absolutely benefit from this new offensive line, especially Becton at that left tackle spot, who will just he's just going to manhandle the entire field. Because I mean, Le'Veon, he's a patient runner. And now we're hoping that he has more time to, to do something and just make people stop saying that he's washed up because we have no idea what he what he can do with... Because the Steelers, when he was in Pittsburgh, he had a really good offensive line. Now yep. he, he comes to the Jets. He's not used to having seven guys be able to tackle him all at once and having to evade seven guys. Hopefully that's less. But, you know, Darnold, he has some new receivers like Brashad Perryman. And still has a very underrated guy in this slot with Jamison Crowder. Chris Herndon's returning from injury, and I think that he could definitely blow up as well. Do you think that if Sam Darnold is going to take that next step up and possibly take this team to another level, it has to be this year?
1: No, I don't think it has to be this year. Um, you know, I've heard people say this is make or break for Sam Darnold. It's not. You know, he has another year left after this year on his contract, and if the Jets pick up his fifth year option, which I have no reason to believe they won't next year, that's another year. So, I, you know, for me, the way this will work is if Sam Donald does not have a good year this year, he he treads water or he takes a step backwards. Then I think they fire Adam Gase and they bring in a new coach to try to do something with Sam Donald. And then possibly they bring in competition for Sam Donald next year. You know, I mean, this has been, he's been the starter, you know, there was a little bit of a competition in year one with Teddy and Josh, but everyone kind of knew if Sam didn't, you know, just completely collapse in the preseason, he'd be the starter. So he really hasn't been challenged. I think that's the next step. If next year, if, if this doesn't go well, they'll challenge him. They'll bring in a new coach. But to me, you talk about you know Le'Veon or Sam. It's the whole offense, you know. Because Le'Veon, the thing was in Pittsburgh, he did have a good offensive line, but he also had Antonio Brown on one side and Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side. Or you know, through the years, the Steelers always had a great second receiver too. Um, you know that opens things up. And last year they didn't have that, you know, they really got down, you know, Robbie Anderson is, is okay, but he, he's got his limits. Um, and Crowder had a good year, but they were missing Herndon. They really, you know, didn't have that solid number two guy on the outside. Uh, so if Denzel Mims can catch on quick, which is going to be a challenge for a rookie, this could look, look different. If Rashad Perriman can play like he did at the end of last year, the offense looks different. And uh, so in terms of the offensive line, you know, I'm curious to see how it works. Uh, you know, none of these guys are huge names. Um, you know, I think McGovern was probably the most accomplished at center. Uh, and then, you know, Van Roten started for the Panthers for three years. Fant was kind of in and out in Seattle. And then Becton, this is going to be a challenge for him as a rookie. It's always hard as a rookie, you know, and then this year is going to be even harder. Uh, and then you have the fact of that they they are not going to have one snap together before the season starts. No preseason games. That's tough chemistry-wise, and you saw that last year I think the, the offensive line really struggled in the beginning of the year because they had no work together in the preseason. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks with this offense. And it's a lot of if If this happens, they could be good. If this happens, they could be good. Um, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of ifs. Uh, a lot of ifs on the offensive line, a lot of ifs at wide receiver. Sam is an if. Le'Veon's an if. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes to fruition there.
2: There's also the chance that, I mean – there's the chance that they come out and blow everybody away, but there's also the chance that they come out and they're just extremely underwhelming. Which yeah. It's, they, it's, it's
1: yeah, they got tough defenses at the start oh, for sure. Buffalo's defense is good and yeah. they were legit last year. San Francisco's defense is really good. Yeah, so, you know they're gonna you know they're gonna get tested right away to see what they can do. Um, there in those first two games,
2: and then they have that Week 14 game against Seattle. That well, yeah. I mean, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a very Fun game to
1: watch. Let's hope, if, we get there. Let's hope it happens. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So I mean, we were talking about Adam Gase. I said it multiple times that once everything comes down, all the heat comes down from the Jamal trade. Everything calms down. The Jets are. The Jets might be like, hey, we should probably take a look at what Jamal was actually saying about the leadership for this team. Let's say the Jets come out and start zero seven to start the season. Do you think that Joe Douglas would turn around and say, you know what, you know, I know you helped me get the job to Adam Gase, but we gotta get rid of you right now or else it's gonna be detrimental to Sam Darnold in the middle of the season.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the middle of the season. Oh and seven, yeah, everything's on the table at 0 seven. You know, if it's if it's two and five, it's different. Oh and seven, everything's on the table. I'm not a big fan of firing a coach midseason in football. I just it doesn't work like I covered baseball before. Baseball's different. Baseball you can kind of change everything. If you fire Adam Gase in the middle of the season, then you just have Dow Loggins running Adam Gase's offense, basically. Right. Now they're not gonna be able to change on the fly what they do. Now, the only exception with that is if it's if there's a toxic environment in the building, sort of like what Cleveland had a few years ago, where you know Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson were at each other's throats and the owner said, I'm getting rid of both of these guys. That's a little bit different. You know, as far as what Jamal Adams said, I, the, the, the Jets already looked at it. You know, the Jets didn't didn't just dismiss it. They 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 asked around to see what was going on. Um, you know, and they're comfortable that you know what he said is not accurate. Um, the thing with Jamal, you know, complaining about Adam Gase is funny because in January he wanted to be in New York forever. You know, he right. didn't want to be in New York forever. The, at the end of last season, he said this team's going in the right direction. Uh, you know, he never. If if he had a, that much of an issue with Adam Gase at the end of the last season, he should have said, "I want to be traded. I don't want to play for this guy." You know, the, I thought that became an issue when he knew they weren't going to sign him, and he was just trying to shoot his way out of town. So it's hard to take what he said seriously. Um, the problem with all of this is we tend to take the negative as gospel, and then when players come out and defend Adam Gase, it's oh well, they're just trying to. Kiss his butt to get playing time, so he can't really he can't really win because even if players defend him, you know, like I talked to Frank Gore about him, he defended him. Uh, Alex Lewis defended him on Instagram. No one takes it seriously. Oh, you know, so it's tough. But you, the, the the truth of Jacob is with coaches, all coaches. There's players that like them. There's players that don't like them. It's like they're like bosses. You know, not everyone likes their boss. So um, you know, I, I don't. I think I don't think the Jets are that worried about what what Jamal said about Adam's leadership Uh, you know it's all about he's got to win he's got to win games and he's got to get Sam Darn playing well that's how Adam Gase will be here in 2021
2: yeah so I, I completely agree I think that if Jamal really if this was really as toxic as Jamal was saying it was why not ask for a trade right as soon as the year ended why drag along and keep saying you want to get paid and keep saying you want the bag to get all this money that he's going for he wants to be the highest paid safety in the league if you're really, if you really want out, ask for it right after the season, or ask for it at the trade deadline. If it was really that bad, but I,
1: I two things happened. You know, I think when he figured out he wasn't getting the money, uh, and he decided he wanted to get out of the Jets, he wanted to get traded. Somebody figured out like to this. This would you know blaming Gase would help him two ways. It would help him with his image because he was getting destroyed on social media. And Jamal lives on social media, so he does. That was the first time I think yeah. he ever got blowback like that. So to shift the blame to a guy everybody, the most fans don't like anyway, right. Gase, was smart, and also it was a smart way to get out of town. You know, like how, like like you said before, how is he going to report to training camp after what he said about Adam Gase? It would have been really awkward. So he shot his way out of town um, by doing that. It was a you know, it was a smart strategy someone came up with.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, we, we saw him. He was doing everything to try and get out of yeah. New York. I mean, talking to Cowboys fans, and then yeah. I, I kind of—I think it was kind of like—I'm sure Dal. I don't even know if Dallas ended up giving an offer. I'm sure they gave something. I heard, they did. I heard
1: that they didn't offer anything. I don't think they could. I don't think they really yeah. could with um, with Dak not signing. Uh, yeah. I think if they had signed Dak, they might have been able to because they would have been able to create some cap space. But when when they didn't get a deal done with Dak, uh, I think that went out the window.
2: Yeah. So. The Jets have four first-round picks in the next two years, and they have a nice amount of cap space set up for next year too. I've heard I've heard everything from I mean, the Jets are set up for a monster offseason next year with all these really good free agents. Well, well, I mean, while there aren't a ton of free agents left on the market this year, should the Jets either make a move at a guy like Jadavian Clowney, who Bradley McDougald said he, I mean he wants him in New York, and literally, and Clowney literally told the Jets to come get him. Or even turn one of those new picks into a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, and then just pay him.
1: No, I don't think so, and I don't think they will. Uh, The the idea, the days of the Jets going out and throwing big money at players that are big names, are I think, are over under Joe Douglas. That's not to say he won't do it now and then. I think you know, if the right player comes along, he'll do it. But I think Douglas doesn't believe in big spending. Um, You know, so are the Jets one player away from the Super Bowl? Like if, if they sign David Clowney, how much better are they? Does their win total really go up? Like, not yeah, much, he, not they, much. Need ed, they need an edge rusher, no doubt, and he would help there. But he had three sacks last year, like, so he's right. a good player. But I just, I don't know if you know spending that kind of money makes sense because also, Jacob, one of their big focuses is like when, when we look at cap space. I think as fans and media you look at cap space, you know, okay, they have thirty million dollars right now, right? Who can they sign right now? <laughs> The Jets look at the cap as a three-year process, so they look at that thirty million dollars and say, "How much of that thirty million can we carry over into next year, so we have more money next year and more flexibility?" If they wanted to do something next year, they will have a lot of money. I don't. Again, I don't know how crazy they'll be in free agency. I don't think they're going to be one of these teams that the first day of free agency is making all the headlines at the ESPN and NFL Network. I think they'll. I think they're gonna be take a judicious approach to free agency again next year and, and spread the money around. They they need a lot of players. So I think he'll spread the money around. In terms of Ngakwe, that's a trickier one. What do you what are you gonna trade for him? I mean, are you real? I don't think I'd give up a first round pick for him. You can't sign him long term right now because he, he's on the playing on the tag. So you can't negotiate with him until next year. So you're possibly trading a first round pick for a guy you'd have for three months or four months in a season where again I don't think the Jets are one player away from going to the Super Bowl. You know, if they, if they, all they were was a pass rusher away, uh, you know, make more sense. You know, like back, like when Tandenbaum made some trades in 2009, 2010, the Jets were close. So, like trading for Santonio Holmes or trading for Antonio Cromartie felt smart because it was, those were like, you know, it felt like they were very close to being a contender. Jets don't feel like that to me right now. So, I I, I think you might see a little a minor signing here and there. I think they could use another wide receiver after Dotson opted out, I'd think about bringing Demarius Thomas back. He knows the system. He was good in the locker room. He knows Sam. Um, He's just a really – he's a good locker room guy. So if you get him cheap, I'd bring him back. But I don't think you're going to get a big splash signing.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that there's going to be – especially with all these guys on one-year deals to see – I mean next year they're going to have to – if they want to re-sign anybody, they're going to have to pay them again. So it's going to be another – I mean, I'm sure some of these guys, like Jordan you know, Jenkins, are-
1: are there's a lot. They don't have many guys under contracts for year. They have to sell, yeah. you know. And the other thing is, Jacob, if you're a free agent, we're what August 9th If right. you're a free agent on August 9th there's a reason you're a free agent on August. 9th. Yeah. Either you're asking for way too much money, or teams think you're not what you were. Like you know, fancy names a lot of times, and they are like, Oh, go get him You know, Logan Ryan in 2020 is not Logan Ryan of 2016. Like it's for like, so or I I've got people saying they should sign Des Bryant. Des Bryant hasn't played in three years. Like, as right. you know, the name, you will go, Oh my gosh, I like sign this guy. There's a, there's a ton of football players that even hardcore football fans, you know, may not know that well, that are better signings than some of the names we know who, you know, if, if, if there was a there's a reason that Jadavian Klein is still on the street, he must be asking for too much money. He's a good player. Um, but the Jets aren't the only team not signing him.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Yeah. So here's my final question for you before I let you get out of here. We've seen the NBA and NHL come back almost flawlessly so far. And yeah. besides a few at breaks on teams, the MLB has been all right too. Do you think that with all the guidelines that have been put in place so far and how they plan on approaching this year, that they will be able to execute an NFL season efficiently and safely?
1: I wish I could give you an answer, Jacob, but I have no idea. And I think, you know, some the one thing I've learned about the virus in the last well, five, six months is we don't know anything about the virus, you know, and yeah. it, changes, it changes constantly. Um, you know, making predictions about this thing has proved fruitless. You know, I might, I have two kids. They, they're not going back to school next month. You know, like they, they told me this would be – and I – you know, if you told me that four months ago, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's hard to make predictions. I really – I don't know how this is going to go. I'm curious to see how it goes. Uh, football is going to be tough. You know, it's, it's – obviously it has its own set of challenges where guys, you know, you can't socially distance and play football. So uh, it's not like baseball, you know, and, and they're not in a bubble. Like the others – like basketball and hockey are the same way where you can't socially distance, but they're in a bubble. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if all the protocols will work. I hope so. I hope there's a full football season, but, um, you know, I can't really tell you what uh, a prediction either way right now.
2: Yeah. Boy, do we all need a football season? That would be just, that'd be nice. Brian, thank you so much for joining me. Go uh, ahead. Promote yourself. Tell us where we can find you.
1: Uh, nypost.com, New York post and on Twitter at Brian uh, Coz, B R I A N O Z. All right. Thank you so much for joining me.
2: I'm going to, there you go. Yeah, Brian. He was my first ever guest back in May. It was, it was quite a felt. Feels like forever ago. It was not. We're still still Rona Corona still happening. Let's just let's get through some of these comments. Let's take a look. A B should just retire. <laughs> we'll see. I think that maybe he can come back. And I mean, we saw him. He scored a touchdown in the game that he, that he had with the Patriots. I mean, it was against the Dolphins, but maybe Brady should just not Brady. Maybe A B could come back with a good team give them the next step up that they maybe need to make a deeper run in the playoffs than they would have. Packers have zero IQ for training up and getting Jordan Love. I don't think they have zero IQ. I think that they're preparing for the future. Jordan Love's job right now is to not come in and start and take Aaron Rodgers' job and start all 16 games and take them to a Super Bowl. His job right now is to just sit and learn and just and learn behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And then when Aaron Rodgers' time comes, because it will happen, he's not. he said, it's just kind of obvious with everything going on, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be in Green Bay for the rest of his career. We'll see. But I I think that the Packers, I think that it was a relatively smart move for trading up and getting Jordan Love, because they were unsure whether the Patriots would take Jordan Love. And I'm unsure whether the Patriots would have taken Jordan Love, because we have no idea. Okay, so... Once again, this is the Hard Count Football Podcast Live. I am Jacob Charno, leading the next generation of football fans live on YouTube and Twitch. On Friday, former Washington football team running back Darius Geis turned himself into authorities on domestic violence-related charges. He had a whole slew of charges, including one count of strangulation, which is a felony, three counts of assault and battery, and one count of destruction of property. Ultimately, Geis was released by the Washington football team almost immediately after he turned himself in. Uh, he wasn't around much longer. He barely played last year due to injuries, but now Adrian Peterson and Antonio Gibson will be the main backs for this team. I think Antonio Gibson, I mean, he's gonna, they'll probably both be fine, Adrian Peterson. love. I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest running backs that we've seen. This team is still ridiculously dysfunctional on and off the field. So this doesn't really matter since I don't think it's really possible for this team to get any worse than they already are. And with that, we're going to wrap today from the Hard Count Football Podcast Live. My name is Jacob Charno, and thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. And Be sure to go follow me on Twitter at Jacob Charno, Instagram at Hard Count Football, and here on Twitch with Chris Landry Football. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to Hard Count Football. Join me next Sunday for more exclusive interviews and talk about the top headlines in football.
1: It is
0: Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?